Welcome to Poet Waffle, episode 20, with me, Daniel Cockrell, where I invite a poet into my shed for an intimate chat. And during that chat, we explore the visceral space between fact and fiction, which I believe is more of a feeling where poets use their emotions to navigate the world and hopefully reveal certain truths that are neglected by those other fields. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome into the Waffle Shed. We have musician, singer-songwriter, uh, playwright, folk singer, pop star and poet, <laughs> uh, Gemma Rogers. Hello, Dan. Hello, That's Gemma. a nice intro. Thanks for having me. It's, I've probably missed out a few things that you do, but you are definitely all of those things because you've made plays and at the moment you're quite busy being a pop star, I keep hearing you on Radio 6 and all that. Doing all sorts of bits and bobs. It's been a busy time, huh? Is it exciting, that exciting? Yes, it is, but it's non-stop and I'm finding it quite difficult to manage other things. I feel like you really do have to kind of f- focus in on the promotion, the admin side of the creativity and that, you know, every now and again gets a bit on top. But It's hard, that. I, mm. I've... Definitely got to a point where I stopped doing that as well as I could have done, just because I hated doing it. But also you have uh, to give yourself space to create. Yeah. And you don't stop creating yourself, and I really admire that. And, you know, I haven't got two young boys to look after as well, and a, I know. a family to go. And I think that, you know, that that is what one needs to do. And actually I have set some time aside to get back to creating because I've really missed it uh, you know it's it's paid off as it were you know yeah. lots of lovely things have come back from uh, the work that I've put in promoting the album and the yeah. single so far but I've definitely now started missing just switching off for a bit and making stuff just, and making yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. just writing again and actually do you know what it's kind of come because into go on it comes in oh I'm interrupting it comes in waves doesn't it because you you sit down and you do your you know the routine of getting up making stuff yeah and then once you've made it and you put it out there then you have to stop doing that put it aside and then you have to promote yeah and you're in that I'm in that position of, yeah. and it, it but it does feel kind of like it's come at the right time I've just been told that I've got chronic laryngitis which means I've now got to give myself a vocal rest immediate vocal rest yes don't my do Victorian this. illness you shouldn't be talking <laughs> on, yeah. no I shouldn't I can't not come and chat to you I, and I think it's more the singing and that yeah, kind yeah. of lifestyle those the, the late night thing and the, the early nights. mornings and the kind of yeah. constant um pushing so this this feels like the right time to just step back from any kind of gigs and to just sort of yeah, and the way your voice is, it gives it all that character to those songs. So you, it probably goes along with that sort of character that you sort of portray on it, stage, it, doesn't it? It does, but it's not, you know, it, I don't know that not it's... Healthy. Be, it's not healthy. <laughs> but the good news is that, the you know, I did, I started singing lessons. Um, I did a few. She's brilliant, she is. She taught me how to blow through a straw. 
sounds like a really right, simple yeah. thing, but it's not. It's about breathing and just getting your you breathing so, right. So you have to, it's about managing your breathing. So before you get onto stage, it's about connecting with oh, the diaphragm. Like that, yeah. Stuff that we were taught when we first started performing, I suppose, or things that you just learn to connect with your breath. But yeah. because a lot of the gigs I've done have been kind of rowdy pubs and festivals, I'm afraid that there wasn't much sort of deep breathing and connecting with the kind of, quiet beforehand it was more you know i suffer chronically with not breathing i yeah. don't my i imagine lots of people do but you forget i can always forget how to breathe and my breath's always out of sync so when i so i swim a lot so because the only time that regulates that i don't it? have to think about breathing because you're you're um, you know it does it for you so your your breath is regular for at least half an hour when you're doing that really really good point because uh, uh, you know we were just saying earlier i went swimming for the first time in absolutely ages yesterday i got back from a trip up north and after that long train journey i sort of said to my partner i'm just i'm gonna have to leg it i really i'm craving for the first time in ages to just be in water oh yeah, yeah. and actually normally during the summer, you go and do kind of, you know, some swimming, wild swimming, but it's impossible to get tickets, you know, to go to the heath anymore anyway. Oh, really? Because everyone's out there. Oh, my goodness. And they book up a week in advance, two weeks. I don't I'd like that. to know the people. So there's people who know the spots that aren't regulated. They're not like, you don't have to pay. You can go wild, wild swimming. swimming. Yeah. And I've, so there's one, the Haynout Water near us. It's probably 15 minute drive, actually. And there's like, a, there's rowing there and canoeing. And there's a kid's sort of... Um, inflatable stuff in there and you can go in there but I was looking at it I was going god man I wonder if you can swim in that and I was a bit nervous about oh if I just go in and start swimming there by myself would I be would someone come along and say you can't Hold swim out. here yeah and I'd be like well, well I don't know my rights yeah right I'm who right. owns this I I want to swim <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I want to get in touch with the main someone and say where can I swim around here that's I don't have to pay four pound sixty to go well we were just discussing four pounds sixty is quite good for a swim i think but it depends you, on if, how long you're in there for and it depends eh? how much money i mean got. that's what i met you know I, I stayed in for as long as i could i didn't get yeah. into the pool till kind of half you know I, I was out with the last whistle but if you're if you if you're struggling to feed yourself and heat your house four pounds sixty is quite a lot of course it's a lot and also it's you know it's it's a um What's it called? It's a, it's a kind of, it's an extra. It's a bit of a... Yeah, it's a luxury. It's a luxury, that's what be. I was looking for. No, you I know. You should be able to go and dive in. But that's you? what I mean on the Heath. It would just be, you turn up on the day that you fancied it. And also, if you're not somebody who kind of pre-plans or looks at the weather forecast for two weeks in advance, then, yeah, you know, to be able to have the freedom to rock up in any of our sort of spots, even the Lido as well, you know, yeah. they've, they've made everything little bit more difficult yeah. it's a bone of contention I've got a really and that's during lockdown isn't it that's yeah. what happened it became and then difficult. it didn't stop so now you can't I don't know what experience you had when you booked to go to the local swimming pool I don't think you can do it if, unless you've got the app on. you, you need the better the better yeah. app so imagine if you're an old geezer and you can't access that as easily as we yeah, can okay. I still find it difficult <clears throat> yeah we turned up actually went to the west reservoir um, yeah. outdoor I've never been but it looks good man but it was the last sort of really baking hot day and we turned up and um, the queue was oh, next really? level waiting in the queue for an hour which I wouldn't normally do but again because I couldn't get in anywhere else I thought oh, you know, and that's £4.60 as well isn't it I think and then an extra couple of quid for the very sexy hat that you get to wear oh you have to wear a swim hat because okay. it's cold well also you... I think it's to spot you you know oh 
Okay. Yeah, because you have to be talked through the rules and regulations, yes, and then you know you have to swim in a certain line and follow the boys or buoy. I heard it being oh, pronounced. Well, I've always recently. called it boys, but so it's, spelled, it's spelled buoy. I think it's boy. an American um, way of saying it. Buoy. Buoy. No, it's definitely a boy. I mean, buoy sounds horrendous. We used to swim out to them in the estuary where we live, so that you know, I'm def- we would never say swim to the buoy. No. We'd say swim to the boy. <laughs> Let's go to the boy. And I probably, as a kid, never knew it was spelled. had a strange spelling. Booey. Boy. 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 Hey, boy. Hey, there. Well, there's a lot of big inflatable, you know, boys up in that West Reservoir. But, yeah, I think it would be nice to go around with a crew, wouldn't it, over the summer, with just people who knew all the best sports. Well, a life-changing thing for me was getting a wetsuit, because we've got my boys. That's commitment. Because we went... Before lockdown and everything, we we went down to you know Devon and Cornwall and wanted to surf in the sea and it's just wanting to stay in there longer. So we got the kids wetsuits and uh, Gina got herself a wetsuit and I did that one. And I was like, actually maybe I want it. And I thought, no, I don't. I want one. And she goes, look, I'll get you a wetsuit, but if you don't wear it, we just we'll get send it, it back. Yeah. And I tell you, man, I was so happy. I'm so happy in my wetsuit. I'm not it's so nice. Just, so I'd go down swimming in Folkestone Sea. I'd go swim. But I put my wetsuit on and you can stay out there for ages. Of course, because the one thing that sort of changes your experience is, you know, essentially desperately trying to kind of cling onto the side with massive blue lips. Yeah. And I feel the cold quite dramatically. You know, I'm a bit of a pathetic yeah. one with the elements. I get really cold really quickly. I overheat and don't yeah. want to be in the sun. <laughs> I can't regulate oh, yeah, my temperature. Like yeah. So I find sea swimming are incredibly exhilarating, but also excruciating if the temperature's not quite right. So um, maybe a boy When we were swimming in um, Folkestone a few weeks back, a seal. There's a seal. No. A seal's down there now. Unbelievable. Just coming up to you. How dare they? I know, brilliant. <laughs> and then <laughs> we're just checking us out, going, what are you doing? How many? A one, they said it was a single one, but apparently there's a few. There's a few round Are they there. gregarious beasts? Are they, are, they sort of, are, they, are they normally sort of on I their own? I don't know, but they came... So we were just sitting on the beach, um, probably four or five metres from the sea, if that. Yeah. And this, he'd just come he up just on the shore, and he just looked at us, and then he, swim, he swam along the whole shore just looking at everyone. And then when everyone got in, I was like, oh, see it. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he or she... Just buggered off and went, I've had enough now, I'm going... Big? I think they're quite big. Um, Not so... I I am going to say... It's hard to tell, actually, but I'm I'm, I'm saying... The same size as my torso, and I'm five foot eight, so... Pretty big, What would that be? Three foot, two and a half foot? What about that one that's in the Horniman? You heard about the walrus in the Horniman Museum... Over in Forest Gate. No. Is it Forest Gate? There is a Forest Gate. Is there a museum in Forest Gate? I think so, and I think it's called the Hornet. Right, I don't know. But there's a walrus there. Okay. I'm yet to see it, but I've been told all about this walrus. And nobody knew. Dead, dead, dead. Stuffed, blown up. Because no one knew what a walrus. I can't even pronounce it. No one knew what a walrus was meant to look like. And it's got its. Oh, okay. So they've blown it up, and it's this big thing with no rolls. Oh, okay. I can't believe yeah, I haven't yeah. seen I it yet. See that. So it's like a peculiar peculiarity, isn't it? It's yeah. like the dinosaurs in Crystal Palace Park. They're all the wrong because no one knew. What no they, one knew the so size they, they've or got how like, they... They've got dinosaurs on all fours when they would have been standing on two legs and stuff like that. See? 
because they didn't know what a dinosaur was supposed to look like. No. I'm still unsure how they know, you know. I think it's, it's one of those things. I was fascinated by dinosaurs back in the day. I yeah. think it would have been, yeah. There was but, a I like the idea that it had feathers. Yeah, that's what scout, I've seen recently. I kind of like that. Yeah. We went fossil hunting down in Dorset over the summer again. Did you? Yeah. I didn't find a really good... Last time I found a really good anamite made out of fool's gold. Are you allowed to take it? You're allowed to take anything that you find. Are you? You're not allowed to hack away at the cliffs because you have to have a permit to do that. But anything... I love the on, idea of you guys all going along yeah. with your pickaxes. <laughs> well, okay, so the first time we went, we didn't have any, we didn't have any hammers or anything. And, which was a good thing because you just walk and they're just there on the beach you can pick them up find some really nice things but this year Gina thought it was good to buy my two uh, some rock hammers can I just say buying <laughs> eight year old rock hammers <laughs> is not a good idea because they just spent the whole of the time instead of looking they spent the whole smashing. of the time smashing <laughs> trying to smash stuff and attacking the cliffs and me saying Boys, maybe Don't, not, not yeah, quite right Not there. the cliffs. And then these really ex- expert fossil hunters, whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called. Giving you looks. Yeah, saying, can you just control your Control bodies? your I'm like, oh. Anyway, yeah, that was... What's your album called, anyway? No Place Like Home. Yeah, and that's a, that's a single as well. It's off the single Good Day, Bad mm. Trip, which, you know, the riff, if you get, get, there's no place like home. It's from the chorus. Yeah. A lot of the songs... You know, a kind of observations and sort of, you know, a bit, a bit of kind of leery conversation about what's going on and about, well, lots of different, but I think one of the main themes that goes through a lot of the songs is about home, safety, finding your way to that kind of special place, um, learning how to get, uh, you know, sort of jumbled thoughts and kind of, um, painful experiences under control by well yeah remember think counting to 10 thinking about home remembering that there is somewhere sort of safe hopefully for Mm. all of us Mm. um and also setting up shop actually feeling for the first time in a long time really settled to be honest Dan. yeah yeah you just really moved to happy. my neighbourhood, a little bit to my neighbourhood. Yeah, yeah, I, I follow. I mean, I just basically just wherever you go from now on, I'm I'm yeah. right. Because you were in Dalston. Oh, you were in Dalston. Was you in Dalston? I was in Dalston for a bit. I was in Haggerston. You, you followed me there. I followed you there. Then I went to Seven Sisters for a bit. Then I moved way back west. I went back to Labrook Grove, Kensal Rise. Oh, yeah. And then I was there during lockdown. And I was with 11 other people in an old laundrette. It was a guardianship scheme where wow. you have to... Yeah, look after... Look, look after, after play, hours, but yeah. rather than them paying us to make sure that no, you know, squatters yeah, came yeah. in and... T- you know, you we, were we, pay, we were the squatters. <laughs> and we paid for the privilege. Oh, really? In this okay. crumbling spot. It was quite funny. There'd be times where I got really poorly after my birthday in 20... It wasn't with COVID. After my birthday in 2020... And I remember going into the shower room, which was a dungeon of a like oh, hideous space. You have to go down past um, all this kind of warehouse stuff. Actually, they used the bottom of our space as a storage unit for donations that were given to the people who had been the victim of the, the Grenfell fire. Oh, wow. So they 
it was it was quite an airy so place I'm, to I'm be on. I'm not saying this this wasn't a laundrette that you go to and stick your twenty p in. Not anymore. <clears throat> this was, was a what? It sounds. It massive, was called though. the White Knight Laundry. Ah. It was huge. It was the most renowned. It was it was a really big sort of famous laundrette in its in its time. A couple of mates came and visited yeah. because they wanted to see the inside of it. They used to come and drop sounds their amazing. washing off. It was a brilliant place, and my brother had been there before me for about three years we moved in me and my partner and we were in there for about a year and a half and then just as I kind of went maybe it's time to have a little look around maybe it's time to get out yeah. of a kind of 11 person house share yeah, yeah. where no one ever does the washing up oh, no. yeah I'm too old for that I can't I'm literally go into a kitchen yeah. and see stacks oh, I can't get it just no not the one anyway uh you know been there done that so we started looking. I looked at rent prices and went, ah, do you know, we'll just stay here for a bit longer. Yeah. And then they served us notice. Oh, wow. So the whole forced. building, after sort of five years of that building, say, you know, them saying to us, there's no way you're going to be moved on. What are they going to do with that building? They're then? turning it into... Flats. So a Chinese company have bought it for something like, I don't know, some yeah. huge amount of money and they're turning it into flats, yeah. Of course they And are. they're not keeping it uh, oh, in any way, you know, they're not keeping the, the shape of it. Yeah, it is... And so that is that's that's kind of happening. So we're flats we, everywhere. Flats. Did they not learn? Did they not learn strange, from the sixties or seventies that it weren't great? You know, some people like living in their high rise, but when you're isolated, it can't be a good thing, can it? No, and I, you know, I'm yet to see it. I don't think they've started the building work. I think they moved us out there so that they could sort of do the extensive work without having to sort of work around us. Like I said, I I got ill after my birthday, and I had gone into the shower. And I was just about to, you know, strip off last bits of clothes and a flipping great hole just emerged by the sink. Oh, and this like eyeball. No, a fella was drilling into the hole. <laughs> I was, I was, we were standing in a building that was disintegrating around us. Oh, no, so Actually, they were working on it. They were working on it. That's when they all kind of oh, went, right, geez. you know, there's obviously, we you know, we're going to need to. And I, you know, I, I think, I don't know how I reacted. I think I might have screamed and jumped into the shower, but... The showers are horrible. It's weird because every still, you know, you kind of can't help but think, well, what's going to go next? Where are the eyeballs coming from next? I know. So like that yeah. film Shallow Grave, isn't I it, know. where Christopher Eccleston, he drills through the ceiling and he's just there with his eyeballs and he's just getting <laughs> more and more holes. Yeah. But there was okay, a story. That was a great film when that came out. Yeah, oh, on. my God. Well, I, I want, it, again, it's about the home thing and how important it is to just be somewhere that you're comfortable in. And yeah. I think never before, so a lot of the album was written just before we moved to the laundrette. And again, I was settled, but also I was settled because I'm with somebody that I feel very safe and good with. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's that kind of, that, that sense of home being with another person as well. And then obviously the laundrette was a kind of reminder of why it's important <laughs> to be somewhere safe. And now we've, yeah, we moved to Walthamstow. Yeah, I think because you're making, like if you're with someone, you're both making something together, aren't you? Totally. Like you know, if you if you, if something needs fixing, you're like, oh, we need to fix that. Yeah. And you both fix it in yeah. some way, and then. And that's the same as kind of issues that you have within a relationship, or you know, within kind of life itself. It's like somebody else is is fighting the same. Yeah, I think because we've been I don't know how long we've lived together, me and Gina. So we moved uh, oh, probably 2004. I moved in with Gina. That's a long time, Kentish Town. So I don't know how long. So you were Kentish Town first. Yeah, and then we Lots moved out to Dalston when it had no 
transport links. I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah, We're man. so far from the middle. So far. And also, <laughs> we, when I used to go to East London from West, you'd take a backpack, <clears throat> you know, with a couple of spare pairs of knickers because you just didn't know when you'd... <laughs> when you're getting home, yeah. you're coming home again. I don't know. But now you can get to South London from here in like 20 minutes because it's got trains. No, it's mad. In fact, going from West to East sounds like your story that you were telling me about getting home from um, Amsterdam. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like... You just never know. If you was in West London getting home to East at night, <laughs> you'd have to take about five buses. And it was it was a real trek. It was an adventure. What, no, what I was saying about home was, I remember, mm. like, see, when you're building a home, I remember early on, and probably with this house as well that we moved into, I, I sort of chose the art. Because right. I said, look, you, 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 you're really good at cushions and making things look great. I'll choose the art and, I, and I'll put stuff up. And now that's completely changed as well. Now Gina chooses the art. <laughs> you know, like, and I just put every art. You said the cushions <laughs> on. I don't even do it. Like, she's like, I'm like, not another cushion. You can't. Please, no more. I, no I, more I'm, I'm on Gina's side with this one. I think you can't get enough cushions. In fact, cushions. I'm in the mat. I've got to find another couple of cushions. My mum made us a couple that are super cute. One side's kind of mm, weaved white merino wool and then the other side is a sort of really lovely army green sort of lovely mm, textured material but sadly she didn't put a zip on so you can never clean Clean the the pillows and I'm afraid I did bung them in the washing machine yeah yeah they're fluffy now and so I'm afraid I'm not going to tell I will tell my mum she'll just have to but you seem to put a zip in it or any sort of buttons any buttons so you can't take the cover off and so, so you could have probably cut and then made buttons for it. I could have done that, but I'm quite bad. I can sew things up when they get moth-eaten, which is another right. massive thing. Is yeah. it moth from stove? Is that like... Is that well, it's just kind of, damp. It's London, Everything's isn't it? damp, isn't it? There's loads of moths. I've got the traps up. What, for mice and rats? Not for... Oh, no. I don't oh, know. Luckily, moths. touch wood, we haven't got that for the moths. We have, we have a real problem with rats up from the forest and... We've had them in our basement before. And they're, and they're hard big. to get rid of as well. They're horrible. Yeah, they I'm, are. I'm done, you know. No, I know. We've got, got to cats. Be... Now we've got cats. It oh, has, it's, it's made got a big rid difference. Of, yeah, massive difference. And the squirrels. So never, I've never had apples on my apple tree before because of the squirrels that come along and eat everything. Now, because we've got the cats, I've got apples on my apple tree and they scare the squirrels off. It's amazing. God, so do you well wish that you got? I mean, well done, cats. Well and we have a few less birds in our garden, which I'm really unhappy about. But you know, you got to weigh it. You got to weigh, weigh it up. And that. We still get the woodpeckers down. We still get. Do you get woodpecker? Yeah, get the woodpecker because they're so close to the forest. We get the. They come down. And... I've, I've got to say, for, for those listening to this, Dan's garden, Dan and Gina and the boys' garden, is a treat, a treat to behold. It's a bit. It's a bit messy and I haven't had much time in it in the last few weeks and that, so it needs a bit of tidying up, ready for, got to do the planting for the spring flowers and all that, so I'm really looking forward to do that. Green-fingered, have you always been like that? No, not at all, only when I came to this house, because I never really had a garden. Because you've got such a lovely space to play with, I suppose, it's yeah, inspiring, just, isn't it? Just, it's all by error, I don't know what I'm doing, and then I do stuff and then I, I've sort of learned oh, that works there, that doesn't work there. And my granddad was an absolute green fit. He was, he took over all the gardens of his neighbours. Because he, he, his whole, uh, he had beautiful gardens, always won the competitions of like the best 
best kept garden in the house. And then he had all his vegetable patch at the back. And then he took over next doors and then next doors and then the house. So he had about five gardens. That he took care of. <clears throat> took care of and just grew the vegetables. So he, he delivered veg to all the street. So he'd grow everything from potatoes to courgettes to green peppers oh, to tomatoes. That's a, what a brilliant, and also a brilliant fella to have in your neighbourhood. Brilliant. I and would have made, definitely got him in to do mine. And he made blender. beer at home as well. But that's all he'd got. Home brewing. Yeah, so all he, he'd get up really early and he'd just go in his garden, rain or shine. He must have passed on that community spirit to you because you're so like that as well, aren't you? You bring everyone, you know, I think you do. You. Oh, a little bit, maybe, yeah, I think he, he, but he was very quiet, man, didn't talk, but you find him in the garden, he'd talk to me. Everyone would be like, oh, he's quiet. So all my family having a fight in, <laughs> in the house. He'd be out there, digging. And then he'd just talk, I'd go and chat with him, because he'd just stand in the corner and not say anything when it was all kicking off. And it was just, he was just like, I think he probably saw some, sad things in his life through the war and stuff and I think it made him yeah like, oh I, I'll go and Distance. I'll go and grow something yeah I think when you've seen what you have I think you know it, so yeah be- quite beautiful and then I you know I really got on with him but they you know or some of the other family would be like oh no he, he never takes a sign and he, I think it was because he's just like oh, it's not like that you know and he'd go and he'd go and grow his peppers or I imagine that you just sort of see arguments you know, about the day-to-day relatively futile when you've yeah. sort of been through anything. They always, been yeah, they always said he was... <clears throat> I said, what do you do in the war? And he always said, I used to peel potatoes. Do you think that was... Um, I think do it you think it was? I think it was, was and did. I didn't even think it was a fib. I thought... So they'd all joke, oh, he just used to peel potatoes in the war. But did I, anyone actually ever find out? Did he write anything <sighs> down? Was there, were there any memoirs? Were there I any don't sort know. Of notes Maybe or... I'll, ask, I'll ask my auntie. She might know. But is your auntie his? What's the, his daughter? Yeah, yeah, his daughter. So, she might know, but I don't think my dad knows. My dad didn't know him for the first two years of his life because he was still away. Which makes me think he wasn't peeling potatoes. I don't. I, don't know he was. I mean, it makes sense considering he then sort of got fully into gardening and take care of the neighbourhood. But no, I think that might have been a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what yeah, amazing nice fellow. man. He used to. He used to. Um, what was he, his name? He's same as my son. Actually, William. He was a William, but we called him Billy. And we used to. He used to get called Bill. But he used to have false teeth. What he had taken out when he was twenty-one, so he had complete false teeth. Yeah. And he so we'd be eating our dinner, and he'd just let them drop into the mashed potato. <laughs> as, and, a, as a pistol. As a joke, it was hilarious. And. My nan would just go mentalistic. And we thought it was hilarious. We thought it was great. (laughs) (laughs) You're fascinated with all that kind of thing when you're a kid, aren't you? Yeah. You know? Anything that doesn't stay in, (laughs) in its rightful place, I can't do it again. And I thought everyone would have false teeth when they were older. Yeah. I didn't realise, oh, it it was a thing that he just had his teeth knocked out for his birthday. So that go on then, give (laughs) us a. So he didn't have to go to the dentist. But I think that I think it causes you problems. Taking all your teeth out and replacing them with false teeth it changes the uh, <clears throat> yeah. the the posi- the, the, yeah. the mouth shape. I reckon. As your teeth, good, happy with your teeth. Do you know or? what the one thing? I mean, I'm kind of happy with a few things really that, that that have been passed down to me. But my teeth are they were they were quite a good feature. I've got a family of people with good teeth. Yeah. So <clears throat> I've never had a filling. 
Novai. Yeah. Get in. Really? How good are we? Love that. Do you know what? And I didn't go like this. Is, I didn't go to the dentist. So when I got to university, I stopped going to the dentist. <clears throat> and I didn't go for 21 years. 21 years. And I years. went back. As, cause I, and then That's... I had kids. And I thought, okay, I need to get them down to the dentist. Because I'm like, you know, and they've got teeth without enamel on them. So they've got quite a bit of a problem. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, With the strength of them. Yeah, and they're brittle. Okay. You know, and they're not supposed to eat sweets or anything. So I went into the dentist and had been for 20. And they were like, How long, when was the last appointment? I was like, <laughs> Uh, 21 years ago and I was just so embarrassed <laughs> and they probably thought you were taking a bit although yeah. wouldn't there have been uh, some sort of record I don't, I don't know, know if it's like that going was, to the yeah. doctors actually probably just a card it was before did you? and then I went in and he checked my teeth and Gina was there because I was like probably no, just like and, then, and, he, and he went yeah teeth are really fine you're, you're fine because I, I thought it was going to be it. like he was going to drill everything and, and also have a massive go if you're not for, you know for not keeping yeah. keeping up keeping up with that and he and said actually done you good not going to the dentist because you didn't have any work done that didn't nothing need doing. getting fiddled with i know what a few you? horror what's stories your, what's your uh, dentistry um history we had a family dentist my auntie went out with the dentist for a while a so we managed to, to get in yeah, with yeah. quite a nice dentist to be honest with you so we got massive discounts on this one particular practice um the the one kind of consistently you know mm. posh thing that happened throughout our lives and i've got to say i was so sort of grateful for it i had wisdom teeth come through and in and caused me a lot of grief when i first i, w I was 16 me and my mum weren't getting on and i legged it to braemar don't ask me why i looked through i was going through the loot one day and I wanted to get away, needed a purpose to get away, didn't have any money, so found this job in a hotel in Braemar, the Highlands That's, in Scotland. Okay. Mm, you know, hills, yeah, yeah. bowls. Yeah. And then I'm not going to go there. But so, uh, so I got the job in the hotel, ended up in the kitchens, and my wisdom teeth decided to come through. And I was in so much pain. And then you were on the phone to your mum. I was like, oh, mum, <laughs> out of principle, I bloody did. And I borrowed quite strong yeah, yeah. painkillers off a fella with a kind of serious back problem oh, <laughs> so no. I just yeah. um and, and and that kind of finished me off I got back to the I got back to London and had top two removed but he was a real sweetheart do you remember the crunching noise as they're trying to remove them and I've got a horror story <laughs> of some fella in Cyprus where my grandparents ended up moving to and the bloke that was out there with them their best mate Paddy Paddy said he went in for his wisdom tooth teeth to be removed and he woke up with bruises on his chest. What? Yeah, because they're such beasts, your wisdom teeth, that they needed to really get the knees oh, into no. give. I don't no, know if he was sort of winding us up or not, but he claims that it, I mean, they're big teeth. Was you, so at that point, that, would you nothing. always play music at that point? When you've run off to Scotland, was you, was you, did you have to take your ukulele with you? Or was no, you not that ukulele came much later. No, I was more into acting at that point. Okay, that's why you... Good with the theatre. I suppose that's, that was my first, my yeah. first love. I suppose was yeah. You know, I was I, I went and I did. I think I was working kind of professionally in the industry from eighteen up to sort of twenty seven. I was in the bill and casualty and Holby and extenders yeah. and I did I all that sort that. of thing. Couple of plays and I'm gonna and search then, them out. Do <laughs> so, you know what? When I was fourteen, I was the first Sunny Delight advert girl. You were. I was. I was the one that went into the fridge and went, okay, we've got some purple <clears throat> stuff. And some... then it's on your orange. 
And you drank too much of it. No, but I was known as the Sunny D girl. So if oh, I had a cool. snog at a party, it'd be like, not, you know, me and Gemma kissed, it'd be like me and the Sunny D girl, you know. <laughs> so I was, no ruin my teenage years. And then I, and then I, uh, at 27, my agent at the time, I said, I said, you know what? I shouldn't have looked a gift horse in the map, but my characters were always, you know, street girl, tough girl with a vulnerable inside. And yeah, yeah. it was great, but at the same time, I was beginning to get itchy uh, feet and I wanted to go away and explore. And I got this job. I found this job in India for six months teaching at a school. And I said to my agent, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And she went, you're quite a big agent at the time. She said, if you, if you go, there's no guarantee you're ever going to yeah, work yeah. again. You know, you're at a really critical point in your career, doing really well. So if you go, you're we're probably not going to remember. Come on, what are you, put your socks up. And I went, I'm going to go anyway, Shreen. Yeah. You're not getting any younger. Oh, yeah. You know, you're going to get back and you're going to be 70 and you're not going to work. And I said, I'm, I'm definitely going to go now. Yeah. And I went, ended up going for a year. Because you wanted a life. I wanted a life. I, I didn't want to have to literally check in every time I wanted to go away for longer than a week. So I you know I, I kind of decided to turn it in and when I was up in the north of India after I finished my season in Goa teaching at the school I wrote a, a play a two-hander and took that to Edinburgh when I got back oh, did you? and that was it for me like Amazing. I just started creating my own work and realizing that I work. didn't really want to be part of the mainstream not really yeah. no and I you know I'm very grateful for those experiences like you said I think it's yeah. taught me a lot but about you're just getting told what to do rather than I'm going to make so now you make, make songs with those characters in anyway don't you probably you've got that vo those those voices come through the songs yeah and it's yours and, right. you make, and you make the play and I get to sort of <clears throat> pick and choose and, and decide who I want to go on these journeys mm. with, you know. And stronger characters as well that have Thank got more in-depth rather than, the, rather than the, you know, I'm not knocking the Sunny D girl. No, no, she was part of the... You know, she, but she, she's not going to be as good as some of the characters in your songs. Sorry, Sunny D girl. Sorry, Sunny D girl. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I'm at the, end, at the end of the, you know, it, it, taught, it, it, <clears throat> was, oh, it was quite bizarre because I went away, it was with uh, three lads, three young lads, same age as me, 14. We got flown to New Zealand for two weeks for it. Oh, did you? Yeah, we had a chaperone and everything. Adverts the were boys were back pretty, in the day, weren't they? Um, the boys were quite... Yeah, quite I remember of, uh, doing some nice... Because I was in that world as well, photography, and some of our professors were doing... Started to do advertising. They were all like socialist photographers, social <laughs> documentary photographers and that. And, but then the money started coming in for the advertising, and, and they sort of chuck. They all had the at the time they were they all questioned their morals. Like, should we should take we this be? money? Is it going again? It was a big thing at the time, and I remember all the students like, yeah, sellouts. <clears throat> but actually, what are you gonna? What can you do? What can you do? But it was <laughs> the same thing as when we were do when I first started doing you know acting, and and, and I was going out with a, a fellow at the time who was at the drama centre, and um, you know. Uh, all of that generation of kind of young actors were all just poo-pooing the idea of doing any kind of advertising, anything mm. that wasn't just pure, yeah. raw theatre. Yeah. And then, of course, you see people down the line that said those same things appearing yeah. in just that. And I just think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a hard life. Oh, no. You take what you can and what you want to. If you're lucky enough to make those choices based on pure... Um, 
what's the word delight for that project grand good on you respect you know well done but i think not everyone has been lucky enough to be in that position you know? and, and this is a good time at that point to say uh, this uh, podcast is brought to you by diet coke yes <laughs> have you got any <laughs> cool, so if you're gonna drink coke uh, just uh, drink yeah, the no, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not, but okay. look we have been waffling away and i'm much more relaxed on the time before lockdown i was like quite stringent it'd all be like half an hour but since then like jake we had jacob in a few weeks back yeah i just i thought i'm enjoying this so much chatting with someone I'm just going to let it go. Nice. Same view. We're, we're, we're not over time. We're just going for it. But I think it's a good time to bring in uh, the Poet Waffle Big Question. And your question today, Gemma, uh, you've chosen, does everything belong to someone? Yes. Do you know why you chose that, or was it just did it just jump out of the page for it you? It jumped out to me when I was looking through. Brilliant questions, by the way, from some of your poet friends. <clears throat> yeah, but I, I, I take when I hear a good question, yeah, or, or I steal them from places and I put them on the list. Of, I love it of what I've got to. They're brilliant questions. So there were so many to choose from, and there were lots that um, kind of inspired me and lots that I'm going to go away and think about yeah you know without then coming on and I suppose talking to you about it but yeah does everything belong to someone I suppose that one I've always found quite interesting because of my relationship to things and people I mm. suppose because materialistic things do belong to you once you've purchased or acquired them and yet at some point, they're going to, are they, you know, once they're lost, once they move up, once your time with that item has come to an end, yeah. what do you, what do you then do with it? You know, at what point does it shift along? I, I suppose the other, there were a few that I wrote down that I wanted to come and talk about, but I think that one I've decided to go with because I've lost a necklace over yeah. the weekend that was bequeathed to me by my godmother right and i'm actually really gutted about it yeah yeah because it's not is it not so much the object but who it represents who gave it to you is that why it's so upsetting yeah, it's sentimental isn't it it feels like it's much more powerful than just a necklace it feels like a kind yeah. of connection to that human who i love very much and who um she does you know the, the the gifts that that i get given by her are always just incredibly um poignant they're yeah. thought about it's yeah. not just some old tat she sent me from you know my my mum had a really up so my brother passed away um in 2000 and he was an elephant keeper and he had um a little piece of ivory on a chain that he had on his keys um probably from um stuff that had been chipped off or something and, he, and he'd carved this thing and my mum took that like that was, well, was oh. like, and she had it and within two weeks it'd fallen off and she'd lost it in the car park and she was in floods of tears and I think it wasn't the object it was just the fact that oh that was his and she wanted it didn't oh she? I'm not so, surprised That's so I think it's objects are weird things aren't they because if you lost everything 
maybe it's okay. It, and you would and still be living, you would yeah. still be able to exist in the world. I think it's, we, we put, maybe it's our way of sort of trying to, trying to have, um, trying to have sort of, well, control over life when it feels a little bit like control is good because even this, even owning houses and space, I find I'm very uncomfortable with that because mm. I don't really think like we own this house and I'm like, well, it's not really ours because as soon as a hundred years is gone, probably someone else will have it <clears throat> or it might get knocked down or I think we're just taking care. Of it, isn't it? It's like the plant. We don't really own it. Let's just take care of it if we can. And have it for as long as it needs to be with us. I think that's the other thing with sort of losing possessions. I think it's quite nice to have a sort of wider idea of why that thing no longer needs to be in your in your grasp. And perhaps it's it's, it's spent the amount of time that it needed to spend with you. Yeah. And it's gone off. Done it's it's a bit like humans, I suppose. Yeah. You know, relationships, loved ones, whoever, animals. But it's the same because you don't own them either. Like you have cats and you have partners and you feel that you have some sort of say in what they're doing with yeah. kids. Yeah. And actually, you don't have any say. Gosh, I bet kids yeah. is the sort of one of the biggest things because, you know, there's that fine line between giving them autonomy and then also just kind of trying to teach them the right and wrong uh you know how to sort of con conduct life i suppose by being a kind of a good person yourself you're teaching them the ways i'm reading a really good book at the moment called the courage to be happy and it's oh, uh yeah. it's about the adler philosophy and it's uh, a conversation between a philosopher and a youth oh nice yeah it's a really interesting i haven't got all the way through it yet but it's a really interesting conversation about you know uh being able to be a neutral educator. Yeah. Yeah, not trying to I agree. imprint too much. I bet it's easier said than done, though. It is. I, know I do. I do um, having twins, as if I'd had one, I've, I've probably said this on the podcast before, if you have one, you probably see what that person's doing mm. and you project onto yourself and to them, oh, look, they do this, and I do it like that. And because I've had identical twins, I realise it isn't anything to do with you. And your job is only to keep them safe, really. And because they attack everything in a completely different way. Um, and when they play football, <clears throat> one of the best bit of advice that the coach gave us was you don't side coach at all. You don't talk mm -hmm. to them. You don't say anything to them. You actually, if you're going to do anything, you applaud, but you applaud the other team as well. So the best thing to do is keep quiet. Yeah. And because most of the parents adhere to that, the enjoy our enjoyment of watching our kids play football is so extremely beautiful. Yeah. Because we don't get to say, they just do it. Yeah. And then the coach will quietly at half-time talk to Facilitate them. Facilitate Because he doesn't even moves. shout. So they, they, they're making all the decisions on the pitch. He's obviously read the, the Adler so philosophy of how to... It's so fantastic. So when they come off, you, on the way home, you can just say, that was really brilliant. Because as soon as you get involved and go, pass Why it, don't you? Here. Yeah, Actually, they start not enjoying it. You start not enjoying it. So if I try to bring that to all 
everything in education that I'm trying to say. I'd love, I'd love you to do this, but if you don't want to do it, I'm not going to force wow, you. Wow, but if you've got that as a basis for your kind of life philosophy with how you bring up your boys, I imagine it's much easier to then project that onto stuff, onto things, onto mm. everything else. You know, having that kind of having that ability to be neutral because there's so much there's it, it's bigger than us in a way and also don't get them to achieve something on your behalf you know oh well that's a really like, the vicarious living I thing i see that I, like, don't even go there is it? it's just like i well, think it's hard be... as somebody who hasn't got kids yet you know mm. i just i think I'm, I'm always really reluctant to kind of talk too much about how other people do it so mm. i'm not going to go there but oh, I, yeah, you know yeah. it's something that i definitely i see and especially, you know, going back to the kind of sunny delight days yeah, yeah. of when I was doing acting and actually fell into it at 14. I was not like a kind of kid drama school person, but I obviously was in spaces with those, those yeah. kids. And I and think... Yeah, you yeah. see it. But also, I, as I say, I'm not going to judge no. any of those parents, but it's really hard. And they're doing their own thing. Doing their own thing. Of doing it. And just like, you just hope that, yes, drilling your kid to do something is going to they're going to be happy at the end of it. And I'm not sure, you know, I, I remember Andre Agassi saying he hated playing tennis. And I'm like, well, you were world number one. It's because, he, you know, even when he'd won something and he'd phone his dad up and his dad would say, yeah, but you not could good enough. You dropped a set here. And, and he was a bit like, well, that's it. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm, never, I'm world number one. Yeah. And I'm still not Still good. having to, <laughs> you know, promote the fact... I think Peter Crouch wasn't really that into football either. He was, yeah. uh, he was at school down the road from where I grew up. I, I taught in a school with his sister. Did she was you? a teacher. Was she? Yeah, she was tall like him. He's a very tall man. Yeah. I quite like his podcast as well, actually. I do, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I think that's the, that's the other thing, isn't it? You've just, I think... Uh, the idea is to just kind of be without the the, the yeah. pressure of, of, of trying to make anything bigger than it is. I don't I don't know. Maybe me meditation kind of might be it, a yeah. nice the non attachment thing. I kind of agree with that. It it definitely makes you if happiness happiness is a kind of state or whatever. Maybe happiness is the wrong word, but if you're if you're making stuff and trying to do stuff that's good in whatever form without them pushing it actually you do I well for me I live in a much better space now than I did 10 years ago when you didn't necessarily have all these experiences with, and I imagine you know like I said that you know having your boys helps to just take you on that process because actually just yeah. thinking about what you just said about creating and then I think creating and then allowing it to be yeah is a really it's it must it's a very sort of satisfying thing because fundamentally the stuff that we do you know we love it we hope that other people will love it but the art is simply what we need to say what we want to say what we feel is our positioning in the world as it is and I think it is our job to just then let it have its own life mm. I don't even think our art really belongs to us once it's been written agree, you know yeah. once yeah, it's been yeah. created once it's been composed it's because also, job. where do those things come from? I'm very aware that sometimes I can write a really good poem that uh, lots of people go, oh, that was really... And hit. But I'm like, I don't know where it comes from. Did, I, sure did it... I hear that little line somewhere? Did I steal this? And But it's what was... you said about it coming in waves. It's why yeah, I think yeah. it's really important to listen to that quiet and listen to that sort of craving of stillness in order to then 
right maybe it's because you know there is something bigger than us that's sort of pushing our hand to I feel the same with lyrics sometimes sometimes yeah. I wake up with a full verse in my head yeah sometimes I'm sitting in front of an instrumental and I cannot for the life of me work out yeah. what melody I want to create from this song and yeah because you're forcing it through you're forcing it through and actually the making of the album is the first time I've kind of had an experience where I've just gone oh wow suddenly I've got to sort of do it with an end in sight Right. And we got there, and actually, it was a really good lesson in kind of our discipline. But also, once you've done that, you 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 can then create. I think you can then create faster. You can once, create once, faster once you've gathered a flow. Yeah. Of oh, I I can do this every day, and of course, you can get up every day and work at it, and you might not get it that day. But if you let's say you've got up every day and done that, yeah, you're gonna hit. You sometimes gonna hit it, or it's just gonna come from somewhere. Oh, why don't you think that? You don't know where it You comes don't from. know where it comes I just think that's why sometimes it'd be nice to have been able to sort of sit back to back for kind of two months. I could have created all my albums in one go. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know. the next few that I'm going to be. But that doesn't, I don't think that kind of lifestyle would work. You know, I'm a freelance sort of arts practitioner. I have to get into lots of different schools and I love what I do. There's no way I'd do anything other than what I'm doing at the moment. But, you know, the projects and the young people I work with and all the other things I'm doing, they d demand a lot of... Exhausting. Yeah, and, yeah a lot, lot of attention. Yeah, you have exactly, to put yeah. a lot in, you know. You have to put yourself aside. You know, you, Elton John's not doing that. No, he's not. <laughs> I, wonder, I bet it'd be all right, though, Elton, at, at, at a bit of, uh, you know, facilitation. <laughs> um, run some music classes. I, I just, yeah, I don't... I just, it's all been such a mad, beautiful journey, really. Just feel very sort of... Lucky. I just think I need to get to grips more with just being a bit more just relaxed with the next step of it. I suppose it's because I've never promoted an album before. Yeah, I've yeah, never been in a position course. where something that has felt so strongly like my kind of baby, as it yeah. were, that... And a lot of work's gone into it. A lot of work. Know, and and push that. And it might not come naturally. I remember you speaking probably... Maybe two or three years ago, you were saying, "Oh, it, you know, we've got to do, we've got to get on this, we've got to do." And you, you have done that. You've, you've sort of brought that into your world of like, I could, you know, I'm as good as the next person. It's just that they're better at <clears throat> sitting down at the computer and, you know, writing off, talking about pinging it, pinging off things and talking about it, because they probably like them. You know, I'm just, I'm not very good at it because I, I just find it a bit mundane and I not because I don't want to do it it's just a bit like oh that time could be spent being creative I know yes yeah. so I, 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 I would, I'm definitely go off and be like oh I'll just go and write some more <laughs> rather than do you know what I would do I'd go off and write lists about what I need to do in order to then help you know yeah, push it yeah. further but actually yeah. that time writing those bloody lists could yeah. be just doing the thing that yeah, I meant do to the do thing. do the thing but you've got to know the person to do the thing yeah, you do. You've got to know the person, phone them up and go, as soon Listen, as you've, got that, you what, soon you've right? got that person. Yeah, go on. No, no, that, oh, I was, I was going in with what you're saying. Yeah, all yeah. right, listen, all right, I've yes, got, so this, I've got thing. this thing. I know people are really good at that. So do I. But, they, they, but also, what happens is, because they haven't thought it through well enough, the people that they get involved end up having to do a, lot a bit them. more of the work to make it come through. But they put the, they put the spark out there. Yeah. But that is probably me, actually, when it comes to... 
you know, street parties or... or oh, but that's what I mean about you being I a do, community I fellow. I do you... say, oh, I'll tell you what we're going to do next. We're going to do this. And everyone sits there and goes, that's great. How are we going to do that? I'm like, yeah, you look... Don't know. Really... Delegate, right? We need yeah, to... you, you can know. Uh, you can put the... You're the, great. The, You're the, great. What do you call it? Bunting up. Yeah, exactly. Do you have yeah. bunting when you've got street parties? Yeah, bunting. Can I come to your next street party? Definitely come to the next street party. We haven't had one for two years because of... But we're definitely going to go for the next one. And your street party, it won't belong to your street party... As in, it won't belong to your street alone. You would invite people oh, from outside. Comes. Yeah, then. if anyone comes, it's for it's for. There's five streets, so we live in a, a kind of cul-de-sac Love that. that goes round. So there's five streets. Hard to bit map. So we invite they we that is our sort of you know street party. But then friends can come. Love and, that, and yeah. that as well because we belong to we belong to a sort of a society, don't we? And then on a smaller scale, we belong to the street but we don't really but we're just experiencing a kind of mutual you know mutual um space yeah and like you said about owning a house it is temporary but i suppose while you've got it you know yeah. you can't not you don't want it. It, uh, in the night you don't want someone coming in your house while no, you you're asleep. No, so you in that sense you mean oh, i do own this and i lock the door yeah but in the real world, you wouldn't have anyone if everyone had a nice space and to go home to, and a night they, they would probably they, be less they of that anyway. They wouldn't be coming into your house, would they? So I do, I do think. Or taking if, your bike. Or taking your bike. If everyone had enough space, yeah, it's a lovely and way to what look at it. Exactly. I've got is a real enough space to the point that when my boys leave this house, it's too big for us, probably. And I'm, I'll have to downsize. Not necessarily. Just, you know, they'll be they'll be coming back with their bags of washing, like my little brother True, did. but that's what I mean. They might not leave for a long time. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I also, look, watching uh, my mother-in-law and my parents getting older, and my mother-in-law's just sold her house to live in a flat with no stairs. And I'm a bit like, oh, that's going to happen to us. <laughs> one day I won't be able to walk up to the, up the oh, stairs that's so. in, a, in a in a you know a lot down the line and I think actually you guys the, the hub of the family you know the boys will and that's actually coming back to that that's a really you know the idea of sort of keeping people whether it's sons daughters siblings loved ones family members whatever on a tight leash I think people are less likely to want to kind of be involved I think you give people the freedom yeah. and you know just organically that kind of whole sense of just feeling like you've got autonomy over your own life just means they're going to kind of naturally come back so this will probably be a place where you know your family get together for a, a long time grandkids the rest of it hopefully well that that's a you never know that you? is um I'm going to bring it to end because that's a lovely thought to uh, end on is there anything you want to say that you, you want to promote to no. say buy this or um, um, see uh, me here see me here or no got no gigs just to just give myself a break now really going to give myself a break going to try and do some writing and get back to the kind of nitty gritty of it all um, Good Day Bad Trip which was the first single and Rabbit Hole which is the most recent single they're up alongside B-Sides on sort of Bandcamp Spotify YouTube um, all that kind of digital stuff and then the album's out in March and it will be out yeah. via vinyl and CD. Nice. 
and CD. <laughs> yeah, and uh, all that the seems, digital That seems even more retro and vinyl. It does, though, doesn't it, it than yeah. vinyl? Um, yeah. So that is and all. And go to your out. website because it will be on there, will go it? Go to your website, demorogersmusic.com, yeah. and um, just keep an eye on the old socials. I think Instagram's the best place. I joined TikTok recently, but oh, really? I think I'm ready to delete my account after a week. Yeah, I, I don't really think I it's gone on me. TikTok. I'm very, I don't do Twitter anymore. And I'm not, don't really I'm, I poke my head into Facebook just to not post anything, but just to check if someone has messaged me. And also it's quite good um, for events, isn't it, Facebook? I suppose so, not, but not I really think if you have an agent, probably not. Yeah, right. Because hopefully they're doing that for you. Uh, but if you don't well, have I mean an a agent, social event. Okay, yeah. Like a sort of party or whatever, because it's gone of the days where Facebook... Although, actually, people are much more likely to WhatsApp now. It's what I've noticed during lockdown. There was a much more conversation happening on phone. And I I quite like Instagram, because it's visual. I like Instagram. Like it seems like there's less... Well, on my feed, there seems to be less slagging off. Yeah. It seems to be, oh, look at this, or, you know, look at this uh, beautiful lake in Italy or something let me live vicariously through your travel thank you yeah exactly yeah Um, no nothing else to say apart from thanks for having me Dan thanks for coming it's been really beautiful Um, and this uh, has been Gemma Rogers and I've been Dan Cockrell and you've been listening to Poet Waffle see you later bye Poet Waffle was written and presented by Daniel Cockrell, original concept by Jack White, music and audio production by Julian Ward, artwork by Damien Wayhill, and technical support from Laurie Eaves.